Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and thanks for joining us for this episode of Amateur All Tours. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Pod, or you can email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at theamateuraltourspodcast at gmail.com. So guys, I would like to welcome another guest to the show. He's one of my best friends, and, and we have uh, Jake. And it is not Jake Shell, who's been on the show before, but no, it, we have uh, Jake Thomas. So he is... One of one of my best friends. We, we met in college. We played sports together, and then through that we had very similar interests. It first started with the love of space, and then love of space movies, and now just movies. Uh, but we have him here to start tackling a very interesting journey that we're about to all be again on the trek on. But Jake, welcome to the show, man. It's great to. I, I'm glad to have you on this show. Well, thank you, Mike. You have no idea how happy I am to finally be here because I- I've heard, you know, you've said like, oh, yeah, I've had Shell on and I've had so and so on. And, you know, a little part of me inside was getting really jealous. I'm like, well, when the heck is Mike going to have me on? And I know we've been talking about, um, you know, our Marvel movies and all these things um, a lot recently. And I'm like, one of these days he's going to ask me. One of these days he's going to ask me. I didn't think it was going to be when quarantine finally uh, struck, but apparently Mike's ready. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny because you uh, you're, you brought this up to me um, about doing the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I thought, oh, you know, that's, you know, I, I want to do something a little bit different, like have content out there. And this is something like totally out of my wheelhouse. So the I guess because this is one of those things I was thinking about is that pretty much everyone has talked about the Marvel movies, whether it's been retrospects or, you know, leading up to Endgame. And and I'm like, well, what can we add to this conversation? And I think we can add a lot to it. But this perspective for the two of us is that you're essentially the super fan and I'm the newbie. Like I, I have very limited exposure to pretty much superheroes in general, but especially the Marvel movies. So I think we can definitely add, and I'm a huge obviously film lover movie buff we have this whole podcast make short films and and you are also a big movie buff too and and i think we look at film a little bit differently than the average moviegoer so i think we can add we're gonna have a very interesting uh conversations because you're the super fan that has been seeing these since you know day one and i am coming to this not well after it's over but pretty much after this phase of what we're Uh, talking about has been over after the you know the big chunk the the kickoff the whole well, not even kickoff because it's been wow 12 years but yes after you know the inception and the whole plan of you know phases one through four is is done now you're joining the party after i've been sitting at the party for 12 years yeah um but it's kind of like you said, you know, you're just dipping your toes in now and here I am. And I've, you know, I've seen all the movies multiple times, but I've never seen them in order, you know, perfect chronological order in the way that, you know, you're supposed to in terms of the timeline. So I'm excited to really take that journey with you, seeing them for the first time and me seeing how all these puzzle pieces really fit together in that manner now. Yeah. And so that's where I guess we'll get into like what we're really going to be doing. So we're going to be going from the cinematic universe, I guess, is what or like the time, the cinematic timeline. So in sequential order, we're not going from the order of their releases. So, Jake, this was again, this was your idea because and I think it's it's going to help spark some conversation about this. 
uh, about the whole planning of this because you would you had seen the movies as they come out has as I'd say like 90% of people have been doing uh, but this is something like you mentioned you hadn't seen these in the order of like you know the timeline events so right. and I think and so I'm like okay well that that would make sense for me too because you know I'm gonna see just the plan, the 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 uh, the grandiose plan that this actually had, and I think there's a conversation to be had, and we we don't have to have it now, but we can you know start to plant those seeds of just how planned and well executed this was, especially from like a marketing perspective, because I I'm interested interested to see just how you know things set up in. Captain America, the first Avenger, pays off in Civil War. And those, the, in the time between those movies, or even because we're going to get to um, Captain Marvel, and that came out more or less, what, like 2019 or so? So, yeah, like, how does, how does that start to play into, because that's a more recent one, but how does that, like, play into the earlier movies? So, I'm very curious from that perspective. But, Jake, before we get into our first movie and dive into this, uh, this journey together, I want to I ask you. Uh, so it's not so much about why Marvel. I think that's a pretty loaded question. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what about Marvel captures your imagination that from like day one, you're like, this is when I want to, like you avidly followed this for 12 years. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it necessarily, you know, with, you know, the kickoff of the first Iron Man, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I need to follow this and figure out what's going on. Because, you know, at the time that came out, I was in eighth grade. So I, I didn't really have much knowledge about, you know, Marvel comic books or anything up to that point. I was a big Spider-Man fan leading into that. And, you know, I think it was kind of, I was an eighth grade boy. There was a movie about a superhero who flies around in, you know, this Iron Man suit and, you know, kicks the crap out of bad guys. And I was like, wow, to an eighth grade boy, that's super appealing. So, of course, me and my buddies went to see the movie and uh, I definitely enjoyed it. You know, I was like, oh, I hope they make more of these thinking, you know, there's going to be more Iron Man movies. Lo and behold, it spirals into this whole gigantic universe with all these intertwined stories and how it, you know, comes together nicely. I I had no idea that that's what this was going to be. It was just a really cool superhero movie to start with. And I was like, all right, I could work with this. I want to see more of this. And here we are 12 plus years later. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because this is when, and, and whether or not people like these movies or they think they're art or whatever, we'll get into that later, especially I think more towards when the Avenger movies start coming out or when we get to them, like you have to admit like this is the new era of filmmaking. I mean, you, if you want to try and look at this from like a, I guess, academic perspective, you, you have, you know, the, all these different film movements and not to say like, Oh, this is the superhero movement, but it's just like the age of digital filmmaking with spectacle. And I think this is, it's funny just of how, especially when we're talking about Iron Man today and we'll get to that in a second, but like this started a 12 year, legacy of these films of this avenger phase and now who knows what's going to come next i mean i'm sure you do but i don't and and what's even more interesting so this came out iron man specifically came out in 2008 so this is around you know when when nolan is making his batman films and completely changing the game about how people view 
superheroes. And it's and so and it's funny because you have DC and Marvel and they're at like literally the same crossroad at the exact same time. And they can go one of two ways. They can go down this dark, gritty path, more set in realism, or we could go down uh I I don't want to say because I not that this isn't realistic, but it's more of like uh, more faithful. Like you get a comic book feel from this. Not to Correct. say that as a negative connotation, but you could go one of two paths. Marvel went down this path. DC went down the other. And, you know, who makes the better movies? I know 12 years later, we could see, you know, who's who's the juggernaut and who's still, you know, struggling to get their traction going. And, and, and you know, and recently traction has been being made and i think there's a case to be made about why dc is struggling because there's just so many hands in the cookie pot for them they're trying to play catch up but then marvel you know they've been they started at the at this time and they were patient and played the long game um it, but it's and this goes into why i'm late to the late to the party i haven't really touched on this so jake you're only maybe like two or like maybe one or two years older than me. Mm-hmm. And so when this came out, I don't really remember. I mean, I'm sure this was a huge phenomenon when it came out, but I guess I just wasn't really paying attention to this. Um, I, I'm not really a big superhero guy, but I also don't subscribe to that camp of, you know, like Martin Scorsese coming out and being like, oh, these are just theme park attractions. This is an art, <laughs> or like the Steven Spielbergs. I think that's very pompous and douchey. And you're just shitting on a whole fan base for what they love. And, yeah. and I think that's just like old man yells at the sky, you know, it's just Absolutely. like, like, no, there. And, and I think especially with this Iron Man and now I, I've seen one or like a few handoff, not one off, uh, um, what is it? Uh, movies from the Marvel. Like I've seen homecoming, I've seen Ant-Man. Uh, I'm str- And that's pretty much, I'm struggling to remember if I've seen anything else. Wow. But, um, <laughs> That, but, that's nothing in the grand scheme. Of yeah, I know. Things. It's Thinking like, about it, wow. Like two or three. Um, so I, I've seen the Edward Norton Hulk, which apparently is canon. Yeah, but, believe it or not. Yeah. So I, um, but I, so I can see the value in these films. But I just, you know, I, I wasn't into it when they first started, and then they started gaining the serious traction. And I think I started. It started catching my eye when the first Avengers came out. And that was like 2012 or so. So by that point, what, four or five years had gone by. And I just felt like I was late to the game, that it was just so much catch up. And they weren't available, readily available on streaming platforms. Like Netflix was kind of relatively new and no one really knew like the potential streaming platform. So you as far as I can, as far as my memory is concerned. So I just felt like I'd be jumping into, it essentially is like, we're starting a TV show, but I'm jumping in on season three of like an eight season show. And I'm just like, I I feel like I I don't have enough context and background to really start. So, and then things, and then it just got worse and worse as the years piled on and the movie piled on. And I was like, oh my God, this is just daunting at this point. So but I'm excited to now, now that it's pretty much over, I feel like I'm just, I'm about to, it's like, it's like binging Game of Thrones, which is funny enough what I did. <laughs> pretty much when it was over, I just like, okay, it's on HBO. I just dove into seven seasons of the show and watched it in like 
a few months. So I'm pretty much going to do the same thing, but probably even faster. So I'm really excited to be jumping into this. Um, and then, so we'll get into our first movie is Iron Man and which might be a little confusing because a few minutes ago, we just said that we're going to be going in the cinematic timeline, but from your recommendation, recommendation jake we're going to be starting with iron man so why did you recommend we start with iron man before going into the 1940s with captain america right you know we're not starting with world war ii simply for one reason and that's because coming out of you know this is the pilot episode essentially of this series of us you know going over you know the whole avenger or marvel cinematic universe and to kick it off with uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, which was a good movie. I'm not going to say it's not a good movie, but I don't think in any Marvel fan it's in there. It's definitely not in anyone's top five. It's probably not in anyone's top 10 and probably not in even in anyone's top 15. It, it was a, a good movie, but it, it's not, you know, you're stumbling out of the gate, in my opinion, if you start with, you know, yes, go. there's something to be said for going in chronological order. But as a as a kickoff, I don't think it's the right one to start with. And that's why, you know, we kind of had the conversation a little bit, you know, well, where do we start? And where better to start than, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe kicked off with Iron Man. So why don't we kick this series off with Iron Man and then jump right back into chronological order to, you know, cap the first Avenger next and then follow out the way it should be from there but it's maybe some people think it's sacrilegious but i think any real marvel fan boy fan girl could get behind this idea and be like yeah he has a point there you you don't want to start with the first avenger yeah yeah and and i think yes starting like going back to the roots and and kind of making the exception right here because you know without iron man and without you know robert downey jr and without john favreau and and you know and i'm sure there's other names behind the scenes that i am not aware of because i didn't follow this but without you know this combination of people and combination of times yeah i'm sure we even have something to uh we we can thank chris nolan for batman and and starting to make you know superheroes part of the like now Batman is solidified in the zeitgeist of, of pop culture. And then, you know, not to say Iron Man was off the coat, uh, the, the coattails of that, but it helped the, like these two films helped change how we are viewing superhero movies, be it in very, in kind of different ways. But now it's like, Oh, we can appreciate the superhero for this reason and appreciate the superhero for this reason. So yeah, I think without further ado, we should get into this. Uh, one more thing that I want to say, we, we're still trying to figure out how to tackle some of these. We don't know if we're going to talk about each, like give each film its own platform. If we're going to combine things, we're still in the talks about it, but what is important is we will be watching and discussing in some capacity, every single, uh, I guess, phase one or whatever, like the, the movies from Iron Man to Endgame. we will Correct. be discussing them. Yes. And, and then it just depends on what, what we think of each movie, you know, in my opinion, and of course, you know, your opinion will factor in as well. Things like um, even Hulk, um, a couple of the Thors could be condensed a little bit more just because of their, you know, they're not as high on that Marvel podium as some other movies might be. You know, some, in my opinion, some deserve a full episode to themselves. Others, maybe not so much. 
Yeah, exactly. So without further ado, we'll jump straight into this. So Iron Man 2008, we kind of already set the scene, you know, it's, this is the kind of the renaissance for the superhero because in the nineties and so in the nineties, I should say, you know, we we're getting the comic book or the, the comic book movie, the superhero, it's kind of, it wants to take itself seriously but it's it's not it's not quite hitting the mark. Early two thousands, we have this new uh, this new wave with Sam Raimi Spider Man. Spider Man's, but That's kind of what got me, you know, I uh, before I said. It was just a, you know, Iron Man was a cool movie to go see as an eighth grader. And that's kind of what got this whole thing rolling. But yeah, I can't forget about Spider, the first three Spider-Mans. I loved the, I adored those movies. Spider-Man is still my favorite superhero because of, you know, that trilogy right there. Yeah. And, and, and but the thing to say about them is, you know, they are just, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say just, but they are in essence, and boiled down like comic book movies and i think that's why there's so much fun like there's adult content there and there's like adult themes but you know we're not talking about the dichotomy between uh spider-man and the green goblin or you know between him and doc ock or you know the the love interest like the complicated love interest of mary jane like we're not talking about those movies because of that we talk about like the spectacle that they are and how, and like the and the the energy that Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire and you know all those guys can bring to that at least the first two movies. But I don't really want to talk about the third one. But no. um, oh, I can I'll stay away with that with you as well. But you know, it started this. You know, oh, we can make the comic book movies not look B movie. Uh, and, but then you know, they started off on the right foot. But then you get movies like Daredevil and The Punisher to like very mixed to like eh, iffy re reception and th those movies on themselves like Ben Affleck's Daredevil. I wouldn't touch with like a ten foot pole. I don't really like that movie. You Punisher throw Green Lantern see, but... into that mix too. Oh God, Goodness Green gracious. <laughs> but um, yeah, and like those are just off the top of my head. But now you know we're getting into two thousand eight, and you know John Favreau directing this. So. I before like you know even with this I knew him more as an actor Correct. and like kind of a writer you know with uh with swingers more specifically swingers and the, the success that was but you know going into this movie I'm thinking of the Mandalorian I'm thinking of of chef I'm thinking of elf you know <laughs> uh I'm looking at his IMDb now uh I'm realizing he's directed some movies that I had no idea he directed like Cowboys and Aliens I had no idea he was ever involved with that movie uh, Sistora, but you know, this dude, I wouldn't necessarily think, oh, he's going to be the guy that's going to direct this movie and take into new, to, to new levels and elevate this, I guess, the source material. Yeah, we have uh, Robert Downey Jr. who, you know, I, I, I don't quite remember when his whole drug rehab, all these issues kind of happened. But from what I understand, this was his rebound role and that this launched him into stardom he was known as a very good up-and-coming actor in the hollywood kind of like the bad boy like kind of like the river phoenix of i guess the early 2000s late 90s um the the thing that i know him before this before iron man was actually uh chaplin and he did a phenomenal job playing charlie chaplin but then, you know, and I think that came out in the early 2000s, correct me if I'm wrong, but then all of his drug habits came out, you know, he's being this, you know, party bad boy, and now he's elevated to Tony Stark, which I can't think of a more perfect person to play this, uh, to play this role of, of Tony Stark. 
Oh, it's, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, you know, they remake every movie after a while. And, and I think about it as, wow, in, you know, what, 30 years when they try to remake Avengers movies and remake Iron Man movies, how is anyone in their right mind going to follow up Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Tony Stark? It's just one of those insurmountable feats, it seems like, especially, you know, now, okay, looking at it in the lens of 2008, you're like, oh, wow, that was really great. But now after everything that's happened and this whole journey that it went on, it's, it's, it's next to impossible to, to follow that up um, 12 years later or 30 years down the road if, they, if anyone's daring enough to say, all right, let's reboot Iron Man or something like that. Yeah, that would be quite the quite the feat. But another name is Kevin Feig. Now, you I just you know way more about Kevin Feig and how he planned this. So Jake, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the baton to you and if you wanna go more into Kevin Feig and how who he is and what he did for this universe. Well, now I'm second-guessing myself. Are we Kevin Feig or Kevin Feige? I, I think it's Feige, but I, I don't know now off the top Probably of my head. Probably Feige. I'm Feige. just an idiot, so I don't, I don't know shit. But so, let's go Kevin. Ke- <laughs> uh, yeah. Kevin's uh, in the office. But, but we- <laughs> oh, God. I don't think, the, uh, I don't think this uh, universe would have ever gotten off the ground <laughs> if that was the case. Um, no, but yes, you, you, we had mentioned Favreau. We had mentioned um, RDJ. And, of course, you know, none of this really would have been possible without, you know, the puppeteer himself, Kevin Feige, behind the scenes, pulling all the strings, you know, figuring out, you know, what this long-term plan was going to be for Marvel's, you know, studios. It's really um, his baby and his brainchild of saying like, all right, here's our phases. Here's what we're going to put out. And when, here's how all of these things are going to connect together. And, you know, from the, I'm so I'm led to believe from you know 2008 to 2019 when Endgame came out and still into the future Kevin Feige has been behind the controls operating this whole thing you know picking the direction everything goes in and, and you know the success of all of this is based off of you know of obviously a lot of people's hard work and determination and planning but you know if you're going to point to one person and say He's the guy that got it done. You're pointing to Kevin Feige. Yo, you want to know something really funny? So I don't know like anything about Feige and, and what he had done. So I'm looking at uh, just his wiki right now, which I guess wiki is a lot more reputable than it is than it was in the past. But um, I'm looking at his feature film, like filmography, and I am kind of shocked and not surprised at the same time about what he was a producer on. So he was a producer. I'm just going to list them all and you'll probably see a pattern very quickly. So 2000, he was a starting at 2000. He was uh, an associate producer for X-Men, (laughs) Spider-Man, Daredevil, X2, Hulk, Punisher, Spider-Man 2, Elektra, Man-Thing, Fantastic Four, X-Men The Last Stand, Spider-Man 3, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Iron Man, and then we just go into where we are. So this dude lives, it seems he lives, breathes, and just absolutely loves comic books. Oh yeah, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is his universe. And Um, I didn't even mention X-Men, shit, uh, when we talk about Spider-Man, but... I was thinking about that before, you know, when I was, you know, going over some of the things I wanted to say in my head, I was like, oh, can't even, you know, 
part of this whole comic book movie boom and universe, you know, lies on the shoulders of movies like, you know, Batman, uh, Nolan's Batman's, Raimi's Spider-Man's, and um, Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine. And it's such a damn shame that there's, you know, this is another topic to get into eventually, but, you know, studios having different rights to different characters and that not all of these things could have come together and as, you know, in my opinion, it was still pretty perfect, but as even more perfect as it could have been. Yeah, and that's that's definitely something that we can talk about, kind of like with the future and my and like our predictions for the future, um, and and then how essentially, I don't want to I don't want to use any like harsh words for right now, but just essentially how when we start now and and as things get more popular, they gain more traction, and just how the corporations just descend on this property. Um, to the to the point where actors come out and even are voicing their objections to the corporations you know meddling in in these movies of being made and then you know and that comes out with you know spider-man all the properties like you mentioned but we'll get to that when uh when we get there because that's again a whole nother another conversation but and one thing i want to say about favreau before we start is like his direction is that he, it, I felt that he truly had a vision when making this film. It's, I would, I would even go as far to say it's the same passion that Nolan brought when, when, when Nolan was uh, attempting to tackle Batman and successfully uh, att- uh, went after Batman. And like I said earlier, they went in two separate uh, phases, passes. You know, Nolan went the very serious, dark and gritty. Uh, just speaking of the Dark Knight, that that would be more like topical this time. Just you know, chaos versus order of the Batman versus Joker, very grounded. Where this movie, not to say it's not grounded, but it's very comic book movie. Um, not, I feel like they scratch the surface of some of the like. There's there, I think there's lots of different themes that Favreau is trying to get across, but maybe with the executives of, of Marvel. And I think it's, I guess it's Fox made this that because there, there's definitely themes of, you know, like warmongering and, yep. and, 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 and just refugees how, and things like that. Yeah. I have a couple notes here. About yeah. And just how, like how you turn a villain into uh, like a hero. I think there's definitely something to be said that he's trying to get across and that even if he can't explore it in this film, I definitely think he, there's something that he wanted to say but maybe it was not that it was underdeveloped. It just wasn't explored as deeply as it could have been. But I definitely think like the direction when pa- and paired with the performances, it just is a, is fantastic. So I want to, you know, hats off to, uh, to Favreau. And I don't know who did the, um, the CGI of this film too, but just like the collaboration that he, that these, whoever was involved in making this they brought to this film like the cgi like there were some moments that i was like oh this is you know i can tell like the uncanny valley but for the most part and it looked damn good but we'll get to that as well yeah i want i was i was that was in my notes too i was talking to my i I ended up watching it with my dad the other day and after the movie he said to me and where we agreed we're like man for a 12 year old movie the CGI is holding up today, you know, taking into account, you know, this movie's over a decade old, but it still looks damn good. Yeah, exactly. So let's get right into the, um, the opening sequence because I was not expecting this from this movie. So I know like glimpses and, 
and, and uh, kind of some points of the whole universe and what happens. Like I know Iron Man, it starts off with Tony Stark. He becomes Iron Man. He builds the first, like the Mach 1 suit or Model 1 suit, I should say. Mach. No, you're right. Oh, yeah, because he gets kidnapped by like an Al-Qaeda uh, like, terrorist syndicate. Rings. Yep. And so I was like, oh, okay, like, I know that's what happens. And then, but we start off with that. You know, we're in the Humvee. He's being the suave charmer, you know, charming the soldiers. And then, oh, you not, know. Oh, not the Humvee, the fun V. Oh, the fun V, yeah. The fun V. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, and then, you know, shit goes, hits the fan so quickly. And I was like, oh, my God, like, we're jumping right into this. Uh, yeah, I quite honestly, I forgot that that's how the movie started. I, I had, like, a, a, a memory in my head. I'm like, wait, but this, 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 and this didn't happen yet. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, like, 36 hours earlier. And I was like, oh, man, that's right. Like, I totally forgot that they threw you right into the fire that way. Even, like, and, and, I, and there's, like, really interesting nods. And, and, and like, the, my favorite part of this whole sequence is when uh, – Tony Stark is hiding behind the rock and then the missile or the rocket comes next to him. It's a Stark Industries. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's a really not, I don't know about smart, but it's a really interesting thing. Like, Oh shit. He's now being like, Oh, how the tides have turned. Oh, the irony, the weapons that he just goes peddling about. Oh yeah, no, we're making, we're, we're changing the world. We're doing good. As he says, Oh shit. It's right next to him about to explode. And it's because of his own weapons that, you know, he becomes Iron Man, uh, literally and physically, or literally and metaphorically. Right. And, and I, I just want to point out really quickly that based on this, you know, this movie um, portrayal or, you know, story of Iron Man, it's actually really close. You know, Favreau really pulled, stuck closely to the source material with you know the birth of iron man in terms of you know how he well i said it the birth of iron man um it, just with you know a couple tweaks here and there to modernize it you know iron man initially was written uh during the vietnam war so of course we're not going to do that now in a movie but it, it was topical because of everything that was going on in the middle east and just you know a couple tweaks and bam it's really close to to how it originated yeah, and, and that was, you know, 2008, like, you know, Iraq War was really starting to become super unpopular and in Afghanistan. And so, and I think it, it works way more in the modern context with, you know, gun runners and, and, uh, and weapon makers and just the whole, you know, capitalist mentality. I know they kind of explored in Star Wars, but yeah, where it's like, oh, who's in like, oh, like it's the the whole like moral ambiguity of warfare and how Tony Stark just capitalizes on the misery of others, whether or not he wants to admit it. And and I think that this opening sequence with the with the Humvees and and the uh, the roadside attack is really great. And 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 I want to I mostly focus this first forty minutes as I know there's cuts in between, like kind of setting up the backstory of. You know, of him as we get this exposition dump of oh, his his father worked on the Manhattan Project, and he was a he was a natural, you know, genius. He built all this stuff when he was a kid. His dad died, which I've a I don't know if that's going to come up. I kind of have a prediction, or I don't know if it will ever can't come off because I feel like the whole stuff with his dad. There, there's something left to be said more about that, but that's just what I'm saying right now. Like, I just feel like they kind of dropped like, Oh, he worked on the Manhattan project. And then 
oh, he was with uh, Obadiah. I think that's his name, the Jeff Bridges character. Yeah, oh, okay. which, by the way, I, I know it's Jeff Bridges, but geez, when he is bald, unrecognizable. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I, I'm like, I, it kept hitting me like, oh shit, that's Jeff Bridges. Like I just kept forgetting because it, it, without that, you know, flowing the dude hair, it's <laughs> not the same guy to me. Yeah, it's, it, and and even his voice, and I guess we would talk about Jeff Bridges a little bit, but like his, his voice even changed, like just his, um, he doesn't sound like the dude. Cause I feel like Jeff Bridges, not like he's a f- phenomenal actor, but I feel like everyone just sees him as the dude, even when he's playing, you know, like Rooster Cogburn and um, the Coen brothers, true grit. Like you, like he did a phenomenal job in that, but I just can't, I just see a more like grizzled dude. And, and that's not a bad thing. I think it just endears me more to him, but this was, <laughs> he was able to, you know, not be the dude for this role. And there's other roles that he is not the dude, but you know, when there, when he plays such an iconic character like that, and that's an interesting idea with casting where you gotta, it's a, you have to be a little bit careful with your casting because sometimes you just don't see who the character that this actor is playing. You see, you know, past performances or you see the actor right. themselves. But I think Jeff Bridges did a phenomenal job, you know, playing this, the partner of Tony Stark and Stark Industries. Um, which going in, uh, and I'm, a, this is well, obviously one spoiler alert. Sorry, this is coming in like 30 minutes into the episode, but, um, I feel like our listeners are already uh, aware that we, d- we just go right into it. But, um, right. and I'm going to be saying like my, what I know, what I think I know of the future movie is I know, I think maybe he comes back in, in future Iron Man's. You don't have to confirm or deny that. But I definitely felt like there was more to him. Like again, I feel like there, Favreau is trying to start stuff with this movie, and and setting things up. I don't know if that was the plan, but there definitely seemed to be a lot more to be desired, and I think that's good because it it leaves the audience wanting more. But going back to this beginning, you know, we're starting to be introduced to Tony Stark as a character, very charismatic. Robert Downey Jr. just has that suave coolness like definitely a cad uh, you know he's hooking up with the vanity fair yeah, the playboy billionaire philanthropist yeah but not so much as like he's not a bruce wayne which i think is a very good distinction because bruce wayne puts on a persona he puts on another mask to to just oh, you know, no. give this personal facade where tony stark is just genuinely he's like a tony narcissist stark. Yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah he, he doesn't hide a, a darn thing about his personality and who he is where yes uh, you know it's two characters well i mean one has a much more tragic upbringing and backstory than the other but you know essentially in the same position brilliant rich guys totally different personalities yeah exactly and so and I think that's a very, it's a very interesting, I was watching um, a video essay about how, t- how the turn of villain into who essentially Tony Stark is, he starts the movie as a villain. He's just, he's this warmongering gun or uh, gun runner. I don't know, maybe not a gun runner, like a, he, he, he profiteers off of war and that's, you know, he's a narcissist. He doesn't care about anyone. He just says what he wants uh, and that's, you know, not a good guy thing, not even an anti-hero, but then, but he's got this, like, the slick charm that we've been mentioning that you kind of like, okay, I'm interested in this character, but then he transitions in this film to a hero, 
And so we'll get like we go back to uh, Afghanistan. We you know we have a few inner character introductions. Gwyneth Paltrow as um what's her name? Uh, Pepper Potts. Potts. Pepper. I knew it was it was PP, but PP. I, I couldn't I could not remember her first name. But Potts. I was like, oh, it's not Andy Potts. That's Ghostbusters. But um. <laughs> So yeah, we get her. We get uh, I think it's Terrence Howard. Yep, Terrence as, Howard as his buddy as a uh, uh, Colonel Rhodes. Yeah, uh, I was, yeah, Rhodes. And so we get all these introductions, and then um, and then you know the attack happens. He's put he's and then he's saved by uh, you know the uh, what, what is what, what's his name? Johansson. Johansson. I I knew it began the with like Johansson. Yeah, it was one of those two versions. Well, he's also a fellow a fellow prisoner that's been kidnapped by this uh, this terror syndicate. What what what's this syndicate's name again? I was about to say Al Qaeda, but that's not it. Ten Rings. Ten Rings. Oh, okay, that's easy. Um, so, and I, at first I thought that this guy was going to be some you know like Hydra dude or something. Um, but no, he's just an average dude because he his introduction is kind of like smarmy and and like kind of full of himself. But then the but then you know the other. Uh, like terror members come in I'm like oh shit he's also a prisoner and then you know we get this whole subplot make me a weapon you know you're gonna make us a weapon you're gonna make us the uh the Jericho missile that we can use I was like okay let's let's see how this goes and I thought there's gonna be a little bit more interaction of him like they're gonna re- like I, at first I was like they're they can't be that stupid to realize he's not building a missile but I guess they are see, that, and that's exactly <laughs> a note that I made I was like you know uh, Yes, it's a comic book movie and you're supposed to overlook some things, but I'm like, are, are these terrorists really that foolish to to look on this camera and see, you know, Tony Stark's got his leg in this thing and he's moving it with like, you know, these actuators or whatever and they're supposed to go, oh yeah, that's probably part of the missile. Like, it, that's one of those little far-fetched points that I think you just have to overlook the the stupidity of uh the 10 rings in this case yeah because at first i was gonna say oh he's gonna use his charm and his wit to say well n- yeah i'm not building you the jericho missile i'm making you something better and i thought it was gonna be like he's gonna, okay we're gonna do the uh like i've never done this so i'm gonna test it out and it's during that demonstration that he just like unleashes fury on everyone so uh, and then we get this, uh, the, the villain, well, I guess the villain number one, uh, I don't remember the character's name, but um, I ne- actually never even caught it, but just bald yeah, bad guy terrorist. Uh, yes. Because <laughs> at first I thought, oh, he's twirling a ring. I'm like, oh, is that like a Hydra ring? Because I- I'm trying to think of, like, I don't know anything about Hydra. And other than they're like, essentially the uh, Illuminati of the Marvel Universe. And- well, they're the, they're... <sighs> Well, you'll get more into the, um, you know, the formation of Hydra and all of that and, you know, what they are um, when we, you know, chronologically go (laughs) to the first Captain America. But just to give it to you, you know, quick and dirty, it's Hydra's like a, a secret, you know, faction of the nazis basically oh okay so essentially it's like it's like an offshoot of not an offshoot it's like this universe is like uh like uh i'll I'll say the illuminati but like the underlying controlling force of the of the world because i thought like the ring was something gonna be like a freemason ring type s like-esque thing but anyway so 
Uh, I mean, you may have picked up on something there that I am just totally missing. The ring might have some significance, but I'm like running my brain right now. And I'm not, I can't think of anything, but I'm going to make a note of it to look it up at this point because uh, the fact that, you know, now that I'm like rethinking it, I'm like, yeah, he was twirling this ring and I I just didn't catch anything if that was the case. Yeah. And maybe it's a case of me just looking into details that aren't there, but you know, we'll see. So, you know, fast forwarding, you know, Tony's making the, the suit. I really do like, well, there's two things I really like one, just how outside of that one exposition, like how we got here moment um, is, is like, we don't, ever break away from tony building this like we're not cutting back and forth between the army and like stark industries looking for him it's it's just we're in this moment with tony and we're seeing him being tortured we're seeing him essentially being punished for his sins being this like warmonger and you know and i really like the detail well the first thing i noticed when he got when the missile exploded and he starts bleeding, I'm like, Oh, it's in the center of his chest. That's like where the Iron Man's, uh, you know, light comes from. So one thing I, I did not know that he, like he, like that, the center, uh, like circle chest, like his heart. I didn't realize that that was forever on him. I did not know that. That's um, it. It's the only reason he's alive. Yeah. Because... And so I was like, Oh shit. I really like how, you know, it's, like the blood is forming around the center of his chest, a really interesting motif that he's going to be Iron Man. He's going to have the center, like his heart's going to be on display. Five minutes later, oh no, he actually, he has all these metal fragments that if our dis- if this magnet turns off, he's it's going to go into his heart and kill him. I was like, oh shit, that's really interesting. And then, um, and so he's being punished, but there's also really interesting themes going on with, like he's being physically punished, you know, being beaten, tortured, uh, dunked in water, like waterboarded, but he's also carrying around this, this car battery. Car battery yeah. So he literally is, he's literally carrying the weight of his sins around with him for all to see. And I'm like, oh, that's a really, again, there's a vision, there's a passion, there's, there's something that Favreau is getting at that he's doing and even if it's subconsciously and it just that him hold him holding a battery, like this is the embodied, like this is what his life choices have brought him, him being this weapons developer and selling to the, to the government. He now has to have this, uh, his own weapons are used against him and you know, he's, he's, he's being punished for it. And I really like that. And I think that's in this video essay was also explaining like, this is the moment when we start to, it starts to be turned for Tony Stark. Like he's going from this villain to now he's starting to transition to something better. So, now, I guess we can get into, like, you know, the, the closing of that first 40 minutes, um, him breaking out of the compound, and this is some very quality action. I think when his assistant dies, that was kind of weird. Even Tony Stark was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, he's like, no, like, just stick here, stick to the plane. He's like, I'm going to buy you time. But then, you know, I don't really know if that was necessary or not. I think it was just kind of there for dramatic effect yeah you know spark him on a little bit more give him you know a purpose you know what it, he, he had a line to him that was uh you know in, in akin to like you know you got a new life don't screw it up now or something like that or you know you have your second chance don't mess it up and and i guess that was just you know their way of 
really signifying like, all right, he's a changed man now. He's going to do the right thing and move forward from here and learn from his past. Exactly. And I, and I also really like how, this is like a little bit of a side thing. I like how people are actually dying in this movie. You know, there are like stakes, like people can't, I mean, it's not like Game of Thrones, like main characters can die, which I mean, maybe they will. I don't know. But, you know, like, it's not like in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man when, you know, only people associated with the main characters die. It's not like, or, and, you know, the dude that killed Uncle Ben. But, you know, when, when, when Tony Stark, when, when Spider-Man punches someone, you're like, oh, they're not dead. But then when Tony Stark punches someone in the first model of the Iron Man suit, you're like, oh, he's dead. He, yeah, he punched his, his skull shattered. In. Yeah. <laughs> he punched his skull and he's lighting people on fire. And I'm like, oh my God, this is insane. Uh, like they're dead. They are dead. And, and, um, but then, you know, he gets out of the compound found by the army and he's gets brought back to the United States. And this is when, you know, act two really starts because this movie is two, just over two hours long. And that yeah, first two. 40 minutes is, is that you're one-on-one intimate with Tony Stark kind of realizing the error of his ways yeah, and you had mentioned it before, you know, there's no cutscenes out of there. And I think that's a, a really interesting, you know, dis- directing decision too. It's because now we are imprisoned with Tony Stark. We are in, you know, this cave uh, jail cell, essentially. And we're, he's not out of it. We're not out of it. We are locked in there for this, you know, 40-minute journey um, or this 40-minute act of, you know, him prepping and planning and building his escape. Yeah, exactly. And so <clears throat> we get back to the United States and I, I really like the interaction um, when Tony Stark gets back. He's like, okay, call a press conference and we're going to get an American cheeseburger, <laughs> the burger first. Now this is when the, uh, the product placement really starts to become really kind of distracting a little bit because Tony Stark lands in California and he's like, all right, go to uh, get an American burger. And he goes to fucking Burger King, burger excuse King. my yeah, language. My, and my dad just, even threw that out. He was like, Oh, I wonder how much Burger King paid for that. And exactly. And Verizon with the phone. And I'm like, and oh, if you want to talk God. about an Audi. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, so the product placement, it's expected in these movies. And, you know, comic book moves, I feel like maybe not so much now. I feel like they had to really be like, yo, guys, please just give give us some product placement that we can, you know, start funding this movie a little bit more. Not to say they had issues funding the movie, but, you know, Tony Stark, the first thing he wants is Burger King after being in an Afghanistan uh, terror syndicate prison. For three months he wants burger king not jack in the box not some local burger <laughs> chain he wants burger king and I, and I had burger yeah. king the other day because i i picked up brian just a side tangent i picked up brian from philly and brought him home and he's like oh man dude i've been craving a burger can we go to burger king it's the only <laughs> thing i was thinking of and i had one of the i we picked up the burgers i had a burger and it was very it was very okay it wasn't but if I was in an Afghanistan prison, Sorry, yeah, that's a perfect not the way first to thing I would it. want. Um, but I, I mean, I guess Brian might be with Tony Stark because he was isolated in Philly in an apartment for a month. And the first thing he wanted was a Burger King burger. So maybe they got something. But um, but they, yeah, that's so the only get... time you want a Burger King burger is when you haven't had another burger <laughs> for you know a couple months and you forget what it tastes like. Yeah, Chick-fil-A was closed. It must have been a Sunday. That's not a burger, though. But um. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but anyway, so, uh, you know, we have this 
we transition, uh, Tony Stark then has this press conference, which is very interesting. And this is where the comic book world, everybody sit down. I, uh, but I think it's, there's a very interesting, unique tell of Tony Stark's personality in this one little seemingly insignificant moment. It's like, everybody just sit down. Like, I just want to see everyone. Now, that's not the genuine part. I think this is set up for what happens a few minutes later when he says, everyone just sit down. I want to see everyone. Like, it's, it's very informal. Let's just chill out. Uh, he's sitting down eating his burger, but then the moment when he's about to make the decision, he stands up and walks behind the podium while everyone is still sitting down. So he's even he's looming over everyone even more, even though that wasn't his intention of the press conference was to be like, oh, I'm I'm a badass. I'm awesome. I survived this terrorist syndicate. Uh, the whole point was him to say, we're done making weapons. I've had a change of heart. But he's still... Tony Stark still has that little remnant of I have to be the superiority to everyone and like I'm better than everyone that he tells everyone to sit down and then he stands up and towers over everyone to make his 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 grand uh, plea or his grand um, announcement after coming back. Right. No. Yeah. And this is why I like watching and talking about movies with you because, you know, these are things like, oh yeah, that, that happened. Uh, you know, uh, you definitely analyze things on a, on a deeper uh, level than I do. Um, but no, as you're saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, it, that, you know, that's not what Tony was of course going for, but you know, subconsciously, psychologically, that's what happens you know the Tony Stark has changed but still he's still there in some aspects yeah exactly and so then this is when we'll we'll start fast forwarding the movie a little bit um you know he kind of isolates himself in his home um Obadiah uh Jeff Bridges tells him you know lay low whatever like he's he's kind of he's as we will soon find out he's playing the snake you know oh the board of directors they want to vote you out but i i'm defending you don't worry you don't have to show up um and then you know we learn to find out obadiah is the villain so one thing that i want to say and ask you do you like the do you like him as a villain because it's not that i don't like him i just feel like that his motivations are very not well defined so we find out uh, at some charity event that he, his own charity event that he was supposedly wasn't invited to, which, you know, he just, yeah, he just didn't, he, he either he wasn't invited, wasn't formally told, whatever. He shows up and, you know, starts, you know, making advances on, uh, you know, Mr. Pepper, Pepper Potts, Potts over there. Yep. Uh, so we've, we find out there that, uh, Obadiah has been, and I'm going to call him Obadiah because it's just a fun name to say, um, that he's been selling weapons to it's the Ten Rings. Yeah, the Ten Rings. Uh, and I'm assuming just other, you know, anyone. Yeah, like, he's dealing under the table. Exactly. And, and so he's like, oh, well, I, I voted you out, you know, just for your own good or his own good. And then he goes to the Ten Rings and wipes, and, you know, he's, he's, um, he's tying up loose ends for some right. reason. Uh, well, yeah, he's getting the Mach 1 so he could build and then profit off of his own version of Tony's Iron Man suit because Tony, you know, Obadiah knows what Tony's done and he's pissy that Tony's not going to bring it to the company and make money off of it. Same thing with the arc reactor technology or the miniaturized arc reactor technology. It's just, I, the one thing, it's just. So is he doing this for like ultimate powers? Does he just want money? Like I, I, I'm failing to understand what his motivations are, uh, because I was almost expecting that he killed Tony Stark's father, which 
I'm, you know, maybe, maybe that happens, maybe not, I don't know. But it just seemed like, oh, I worked with your father. I was so close with him. He was on the Manhattan Project. And, and you know, we thanked him. He was a hero. And but like that was his legacy. And, and this, uh, this, I guess, power source is your legacy. Uh, it, it's just weird. I'm like, wait, so did he, like, how old is he one, by the way? But also, uh, and how old, is t- how old is Tony Stark? Is he supposed to be like 40, 50? I think... Well, they said he took a, he he joined Obadiah in running you know the the company at age twenty one, and, and I feel like I don't know if I'm making it up, but I feel like I heard something to the effect of it's been you know around thirty years since yeah, yeah. that happened, or you know since Tony came into the picture and helped you know reinvigorate the company so to speak. So so I, I think it's a fair assumption to think you know. Oh, he, he's right around 50 years old. I could be way off base, but uh, I'm pretty sure that's kind of where we're supposed to assume he's at. And, and, and well, at the climactic fight, he says, oh, I've been carrying you for 30. Oh, that's so that's where years. the 30 years comes from. So, yeah. And so and, and let me ask you this, too, just sort of for my context, like how much time is it like real time? Like how much time is between um Iron Man and the events of Endgame. Is there? Do we know? Well, oh, uh, gosh. maybe. Okay, let's not say Endgame because I know there's a time gap between um, uh, Endgame and oh shit, what was the movie that came before that? Infinity. Infinity War. War. Yeah. So I know there's like a there's a time that crosses between uh, Infinity War and Endgame. So let's just say from there, from Iron Man one to Infinity War. Is do you know? Is there? Is it like a week? Is it a year or two? Oh like, gosh, I'm... it's a couple years because I think, huh? I'm basing it off of the Avengers. The events of the Avengers happens. You know, the movie came out in what was it, 2012? So that's when you know that those events actually happened. I know the timeline got a little funky with Spider-Man Homecoming and they had to do like a little mop up there um, with a, a nine years later type deal or something like that. But, but it's about like the, the, the timeframes that the movies came out um, kind of relate. So if, if um, Iron Man came out in 2008 and Infinity War came out in what, 17, 18, yeah. Uh, about 10 years. This whole span of events is about 10 years. Okay. Because this doesn't really have to do with this movie in particular, but just more for for my knowledge going into the to the movies post Iron Man. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I but going back to Obadiah, I just definitely thought that his his motivations were a little unclear. And maybe that was just me. I missed something. I just it's like, oh, is he just like a like a mustache twirling villain just for the sake of it. <laughs> but, uh, but, in, but in the sequence, we watch Tony build the model two Iron Man suit. And I think it's, it's a lot of fun. I wish there was a, my one critique of the segment is that I wish we w- would see a little bit more like fine tuning. Uh, I really love like the individual bits when he's like, okay, we're going to go 10% and he just gets flung into the ceiling. Into it, yeah. And there's okay, 5%. He still gets like kind of messed up. And then, okay, we're going to go at 1%. And he's like, you know, kind of flying. He's like messing up his cars and stuff. I'm like, Oh, this like his, um, 
the the arm the arm i guess propulsion he's still kind of figuring that out but once he makes the full suit it's almost like he's an expert at flying it and i was like oh, i'm kind of wish that he had a little bit more issues with like you know there was a little bit more of a learning curve but he is a genius he did design the suit just a nitpick um and, well actually that there therein lies like two of my issues too one with just you know marvel um in general i find it a little frustrating at times that just every you know a superhero or, or not every superhero but just like a character trait of all of these guys is just they're fucking brilliant like you, you know you could put them in a room with a rubber band a piece <laughs> of tin foil and you know a battery and they've created you know the next like tesla arc or whatever um that's just something that irks me a little bit you know they're they're just insanely smart all of these people um and the other thing that i was a little you know now watching it back 12 years later uh, i was like where did his motivation exactly come from to okay he built the mach 1 to help himself you know save himself and try to save um ho Yensen. But where did this motivation come to just build another suit just so he could fly around? Because it, it didn't, he didn't weaponize it or he didn't intend to weaponize it until he saw what was still going on and saw kind of this plight of these refugees and what the Ten Rings were doing still over in, you know, the Middle East. That's when he was like, oh, I got to fly over there and kick some ass now. But before that, that wasn't his intention. He was just, it just seemed like he was building a suit just because he could. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Like, because he gets back and he says, okay, we're, it, to me, I got the impression that he was going to want to rebuild the, like the, the power supply and get, and become the philanthropist that gives out power to everyone, you know, make affordable energy. That's what I thought when he's like, oh, I'm working on something big, not, oh, I'm going to be making this Iron Man suit. Unless making, it was- Yeah, this arc reactor to keep myself alive, which obviously makes sense. I get the motivation behind that, but he had no intention of sharing that with the world. And then he, you know, it, it, he even said it when he, he popped in on the Air Force Base or wherever Colonel Rhodes was, and Colonel Rhodes was giving his speech to, you know, a group of that, totally just a group of young men, which I was a little, you know, based on the time 2008, I was like, oh, okay, that makes a little more sense. But it was just a group of dudes standing there as future Air Force pilots, and Tony, like, dropped it. He was like, Oh well, what if uh, what if we could fly without the plane, or have a pilot without the plane, or something like that? And that's kind of when he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm working on something, but it's not for the military." And that was the end of that. And I was like, "Okay, is that where? What's his motivation for this then? Just so he could fly around?" Yeah, and that's interesting too, because I thought that he was gonna, like I said, want to build that that new generator, and I thought that he was gonna be building the generator, like or making more of the of the ones that were keeping him alive. But then he's like, okay, then we're going to focus energy. But then, oh, just this pure, like, like this obsessive, I can do better. That's what I maybe thought that he returned to the suit was like, well, that first model was shit. So <laughs> now I'm going to make this like 20 times better just for like my own sanity. But I, it's again, you bring up a very interesting point of, yeah, what it, why did he build the suit? Was it, and it wasn't even like, oh, we can use this to, you know, 
build taller skyscrapers or because they they drop the line of oh like in the beginning with the um the reporter from vanity fair like oh do you want me to build children's hospitals or build still steel beams for children's hospitals i thought he was going to go the route of oh we can build these suits to like make construct like taller towers blah 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 like change the world but no you bring you do bring up that really interesting point of why the hell did he do this yeah the motivation Um, was never really made clear and i think this is also another good to revisit the CGI idea because I think the CGI, like we mentioned, and we don't have to retread on what we said, but this is the CGI is still looking damn good. Like when he's putting that suit on and it's all the, all the individual pieces are moving and it's all, it's morphing around him. Even I love the shot of inside the helmet. I'm very curious as to see how they even film that. And I know that shot's going to return uh, throughout more of these movies but i have oh, you'll see a lot shot. of that uh ho- hopefully it doesn't be used overused but you know as of right now i really do think it's an interesting shot um and and you there is some uh practical effects as well more like the, the effect that i'm thinking of is when uh they change his heart out and she sticks his hand in his chest like you can very clearly see the fake chest but it's okay. I think it, it works fine. It's it's like, it, it helps. I would rather see a shitty practical effect than see a an okay, or like for the time, a good CGI effect. I right. think there's just a personality that practical effects and having Gwyneth Paltrow like get her hands covered in goo and take things out, like handling things. It, it adds personality to the movie. Whether or not I can tell that it's a fake chest and he's sitting down in the chair uh, like behind it, like just classic stuff that they did. But I, I really like that attention to detail, which again, Favreau will use in the Mandalorian, but that's another, that's a conversation for another day. But uh, if, if there's anything else, if you, if we talk about everything else, we can start getting into, you know, this is when like towards the end of the film, this is when they start introducing what Phil Coulson. Yes. I really do like that, that little bit of like, Oh, we're the department of, I, I'm not going to. The strategic homeland intervent. I, I yeah. don't even remember, but yes. And like, Oh, we're and, working on it. And I was like, Oh, it's, and even I was like, Oh, it's shield. Like I'm right. not like, I'm not stupid. Like I, I can clearly understand that that's shield, but I like how the presence is, it's not, they're not even like, Oh, this is what shield is. It's just, Oh no, we're, we're part of shield. And, Which, and, and it's really impressive too, because uh, you know, eighth grade Jake, when he first saw this movie, agent Phil Coulson and you know, shield, that was just a guy with a funny acronym. Like uh, it, it was before, I, I mean, I think when people went to see this movie, unless you were, you know, a, a comic fanboy or fangirl, that was just another character that was nobody to you um at the time and now looking back i i'm seeing and i'm like oh my gosh phil colson showed up in this movie and i uh, like it, it didn't connect then but now it's fun to be able to make those connections now and be like oh wow they dropped this and they dropped that and they did that and i really do appreciate how they don't blow their load on who shield is you know like they could have easily just been like had that moment of well this is who we are this is who shield is you know where's i mean maybe samuel jackson wasn't uh wasn't signed on yet but you know they weren't uh, they, they could have easily been allude, allude uh, alluding to like nick fury but well they i gotta didn't. stop you right there did you watch after the credits oh shit no i did well, not there you go mike um <laughs> shit, basically wait, you keep you vamp and i'm gonna pull it up on my phone um, basically what happens in that um that uh you know the end credit scene is 
you know, Tony walks into his house. Uh, you know, it's not clear where he's been. It doesn't matter either. And Jar, he says something to Jarvis or Jarvis says something to him. And then Jarvis kind of like peters out like a, a dying robot sound. And Nick Fury is just standing with, or well, we don't know what's Nick Fury right away. There's just a man standing in Tony's living room, like looking out on the beautiful Malibu coast with like his hands behind his back and Tony's like uh who the hell are you and he's like oh I'm I'm Nick Fury from S.H.I.E.L.D. uh I want to talk to you about and of course I'm butchering you know Samuel L. Jackson's lines only Samuel L. Jackson can do it but um of course you know he stands there and says uh I'm Nick Fury from S.H.I.E.L.D. and I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative and that's when you know cut to black and that's the end of the that's the end of that right there yeah, uh, as you were describing, I was listening, but I'm trying. I'm pulling up on my phone just to to see it. And my uh, my d- funny interlude, my dumbass actually typed a uh, clicked on Iron Man two without realizing it. So I now know the ending uh, one of <laughs> Iron Man two with Thor's hammer. But, yep, I was actually gonna say because when because uh, I was watching it with my dad and he like the cred start rolling and it got up. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, there's something after this. He goes, well, just tell me what was it. I'm like, <laughs> I honestly I don't remember. I think it might be Thor's hammer. And uh, then you know Samuel Jackson's saying there. I'm like, well, it's not Thor's hammer. <laughs> yeah, and I just yeah. So I just watched a scene as we were describing it. So, but still, he makes the. I gotta remember that they're after uh, after credit sequences. But I do appreciate how they don't just like Samuel L. Jackson doesn't just walk in. Like it's saved right. after the post credit sequence. You know, and that's again one of those things. Like with Phil Coulson, if you know, unless you're a, a comic book fanboy fangirl that's just oh oh wow samuel jackson's in this movie too i wonder what that's going to turn out to be and of course you get the teaser like you know i want to talk to you about the avengers initiative and i think that's when you first get the sense of this is gonna this is gonna get big yeah and and so now i want to just focus on like the last climactic fight um it was it was good uh again i, I wasn't as invested because i didn't really know what the villain's motivations were, like why this like deep hatred of Stark. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I think it was a phenomenal fight. I love how just the agents of shield are just these kind of like, they're not men in black, but they're just so like emotionless. And like uh, the whole thing with like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was like, Oh my, my badge won't work after two times. And she just turns around like, Oh, I don't know what to do. And he just like puts this device on and she's like, wait, what? Oh, is that going to pick the lock? He's like, I, I, I'd turn around if I were you. And she like turns around, puts her, her, uh, her fingers in her ears. And then the other dudes are just, you know, hands in front, like cross and it explodes. They go in and they're just very methodical. And then, you know, we have this really interesting, it's almost like, like a, like a, it reminded me of like one of like a, a, a dinosaur, like a T-Rex reveal in Jurassic Park when it's just like, oh, we have chains and there's black and then the eyes turn on and it just gets bigger and bigger. Now, this is like the weird scene when Gwyneth Paltrow runs away in heels, but she's like half jogging while people are just getting like killed behind her. Uh, that was weird, but uh, in very yeah. obvious, like she's running in heels. But I feel like this may have helped start that um, – that cliche of women running in heels and they're like, it's like pretty running as I describe it. Like <laughs> they're, 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 they're running, but they're, they're so vain. They can't actually run. Like they're trying to get away. She's like jogging in heels. But um, yeah, I really like the design of this new, like this mech suit. It's almost like the iron giant to me. 
So like the Iron Giant and, you know, um, just comic book origins wise, it, not that I knew it at the time, but I know it now. It reminds me of uh, the Hulkbuster armor, which oh, okay. we'll yeah. eventually get into. And, and I actually read an article about that earlier today just because i was curious i'm like huh i wonder if there's ever been you know some type of beef between ironmonger hulkbuster armor and i read this you know someone wrote a whole synopsis of don't even try it like hulkbuster would kick the shit out of ironmonger because ironmonger's you know a, a a prototype basically based off of the mach 1 suit Hulkbuster is, you know, Mach 45 down the road. <laughs> like the technology isn't even comparable. But I was just, you know, based on sheer size and shape and everything, I was like, oh, okay, I see a little bit of a parallel here. And I wanted to investigate further if there was, you know, any more connection and uh, turned up, you know, with nothing. But I just thought it was a cool thing to see. Yeah. And the one thing, though, like I do like them fighting. It's really cool. Uh, th- but the weird thing was when we get this whole buildup of, and we, and it's set up in the beginning of the movie when Tony Stark is like, Oh, I want to fly to the moon. Let's see what this baby can do. And then like the suit, uh, the, the, the atmosphere, like how cold it is in space and, or like just go the higher and higher you go, it, it freezes his suit and he has to like overcome adapt. And he's like, Oh, I'm going to bring him up because I know he's not even going to think about this. He's going to freeze his suit and he's going to fall to earth because we have this whole thing of, Oh, you're at 15%. I'll like, don't, don't tell me the odds. Just show me the number. Yeah, and I yeah. can see it. And then, Oh, how'd you, how'd you figure out the, like the, the freezing, the ice mechanic? Is it what ice mechanic? And then he falls and then he's at like 1% batteries, like taking off his stuff. And he's like, Oh man, I got to get out of the suit. And then Obadiah comes crashing in like, Oh yeah, good try. And I didn't really, I was like, oh, we had this big buildup and, and it was like payoff from the beginning. It was set up in the beginning of the movie. And now it's like, oh, now we just have to blow up the reactor. Um, with this well, very... even, my, my dad called it too. Before it was even said, and you know, he hasn't seen this particular movie, but he was, as they're flying up into the sky, he goes, well, Obadiah is going to ice up. They never solved that icing problem. And I was like, well, yep, you, you called it right there. But it, it was one of those things that, you know, now, of course, I remember it. And of course, I'm glad that you picked up on it, too. But um, and I have no clue how I felt about that the first time around. But it, it's yeah, it was nice to see that get paid off. But then totally scrapped is, you know, he comes flying back in. It's like, well, how the hell is he OK now? Yeah, which is like, I don't need to see like, oh, exactly what happened before, but it's just like, oh, why did we go through that 10 minute scene of of them flying up and up and up and up and up and then it goes nowhere. Uh, And then we explode the reactor, which is a really cool um, scene with like the whole EMP going up, which with like the, uh, it looked like a beacon. So I was like, oh, that's a really interesting visual. and he falls into it, which I was like, oh, man, he I don't know if he's coming back, but I feel like he comes back. But <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, how does he like he look? It's like the it's like the emperor at the end of the um, of uh, Return of the Jedi. Return, like, yeah. He falls into the reactor and blows up with it. And I was like, oh, OK. But um, and yeah, so that's pretty much like the end of our movie. And then but no, it's not because we have our our climactic you know, we get, oh, we're actually S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, that's really a good nod. And then, but his press conference, which I, I do really love this. It's like, don't say you're Iron Man. Don't say you're Iron Man. Don't say you're Iron Man. Say, like, it's training, like, it's <laughs> training accident. Like, it just deny it. Stick to the cards. 
it's like you know and it's just because of that um he has to say that final like fuck you to that reporter he's like you know that'd be pretty awesome if i was iron man so you know what yeah, you're Truth right. I, is, I'm Iron Man. I'm Iron Man. And then it cuts right to Black Sabbath, which I was waiting for the song to come. I, That's I, it, I, even what my dad said, too. He's like, I had to wait this whole movie to hear it. <laughs> I was like, when, when is Iron Man? Like, when is, yeah, right. when is Ozzy Osbourne going to come on and start singing? Uh, Iron, uh, Iron Man, but it comes. And I was like, okay, like, that's how you end the movie. Like, I'm Iron Man. And then the, the crap, like the, the press reporters just jump out of their seats. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm like, because that's what I was thinking. I was like, wait, do, so do people, I was a, I was like, do people know he's Iron Man? Like in future movies? I'm like, how does that play in? Because you know, the whole thing with superheroes is, Oh, don't have anyone know, like you need a secret identity. And you know, the whole thing with Bruce Wayne, with Batman, like, you know, the other rich boy philanthropist superhero is that he has to keep everything secret. But, right. you know, Tony Stark is, is that's his character. Say, no, yeah, I, this is me. I'm a superhero. <laughs> um, exactly. Even if it's just to spite one person. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I think that's the, like, the, like a perfect way to, to end this movie outside of the post-credit sequences, um, which I now have to remember are things because yes. is it and every movie that has one? Every movie has one except for, uh, except for Endgame. And some movies, I'd actually say more than some movies have two. They have like a mid credit and a and a post credit, or you know, a post credit. Um, I think that starts happening a little as we get a little deeper into the phases. But you know, just just wait it out till just the so I know bitter okay. end. Okay, all right. So that brings us to the end of the movie. Do you have any more uh, bits about the end you want to mention? Because we'll, we'll still have room for closing thoughts and final recommendations. But do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into those closing thoughts? Um, there was definitely a couple of things that I had written down here and remembered from the movie um, and even how they factor into, uh, you know, upcoming movies and upcoming things. Um, but uh, I'm a little hesitant to mention it though, just because I, I feel like it'll be more beneficial for us in the future when we, you know, this is just, I'm um, making an example here when we're watching, you know, Thor to say, oh, hey, Mike, by the way, do you remember when such and such happened in Iron Man? They were, you know, referring to this. Yeah, um, I, I'd save, save those moments. I think I might have those like, oh, shit moments. Um, because, like I said in the beginning, we're going to have a conversation about the whole planning. Like we kind of sort of broaching the topic here, but you know, just the whole plan and how, how, you know, Faggy is that his name? Faggy? Faggy. Faggy. Damn it. I'll get it. Um, but, um, <laughs> you got a bunch of movies to learn it. Don't worry. Yeah. We got a long journey, but just, you know, I, I like that idea of just saving and be like, Hey Mike, remember that? <laughs> and, and then just seeing my reaction of Holy shit. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, sorry to interrupt you on that one. No, that's all right. Uh, the only things I wanted to definitely point out were um, I remember seeing it. You know, I've seen this movie a couple of times. Of course, I didn't see it or pick up on it the first time around. I actually was looking for it and I couldn't find it this time around. I knew, you know, kind of generally where it was, but a prototype of Captain America's shield was sitting on Tony Stark's desk or his workbench in one of the, um, you know, Iron Man suit dressing or undressing scenes. Oh, wow. And um, I remember, you know, I'm sure I didn't figure it out on my first run through, you know, back in eighth grade. Um, 
but that was because I didn't even know, you know, even if I saw it, I wouldn't have made the connection at the time. I've seen it previous times, but yeah, this time I was, I knew it was there. I just couldn't for the life of me find it. And at the end of the movie, I had to Google it. I'm like, did I make that up or was it real? And I ended up reading an article that Favreau, um, the gist of it was, you know, they were messing around with it. And Favreau, one of the set designers was like, hey, I'm going to leave this here. And Favreau was like, okay, why not? Let's see if fans pick up on it. It kind of just started as a joke. Like it wasn't intentionally put there to, you know, say, hey, look what's coming down the road. Yeah. Um, it, it was just left there as a joke to see um, if, you know, fans would pick up on it. And of course they did. And then, you know, that uh, I'm, I'm not going to say much more because the article got into some other things that I don't want to, you know, talk to you about yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I'm excited. Like this, this got me amped, especially like, again, like this is why I'm super glad to be doing this with you is because you have all of this insight. And I know like knowing you, Jake, that I can just I can just feel your giddiness. It's just like, ooh, I can't wait till we get to this. And I can tell Mike <laughs> about it. Um, because I would be the exact same way if, if the roles were reversed. Like, I, 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 but you have the patience of an angel where I would be like, by the way, like, <laughs> like, well, like how I just said, I'm glad that they have the restraint to not just be like, oh, here's Samuel L. Jackson in the middle of this movie. Like, like, I mean, I would never do that as a filmmaker, but as a podcaster and talking about this movie, like I might get over, like carried away and be like, oh my God, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, we're, um, anything else? Uh, I, like the background my, stuff? My only other big thing was, uh, surprisingly enough, this is the last time we're going to see Terrence Howard. I figured as much, um, be, and which is a shame because that one lot, that that joke of, you know, uh, he says, oh, like before Next the big time. climatic fight. Yeah, exactly. He's like, just keep the planes out of the sky. Keep the the skies clear. And, you know, he turns to like the suit. He's like, ah, next time. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. But then I was thinking, I don't, I don't remember seeing you in anything else. Like, is there a next time? But uh, unless there, they, there is, but not for him because they're I, teasing War Machine right there. You know, uh, yeah. Colonel Rhodes is the War Machine, and you know, of course, like I've said it before, you know, eighth grade Jake didn't know that. Now I know it, and you know, Marvel fan fanboys and fangirls were probably like giddy at that point, like, oh did, my gosh, we're gonna get War Machine eventually. Did they, did they recast him with Don Cheadle? Yep, that's exactly what okay. happened. Okay, because I knew Don Cheadle comes into the movies, but I didn't know how. Oh, that's that's a weird. That it's man. just yet. Yeah, uh, oh, he's a black guy. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently a. Uh, it, it was a contract issue for uh, Terrence Howard. Basically, you know, he had his contracts for two or three movies, whatever it was, um, and then they came back at him and said, look, we think this movie is going to be successful without you. We're going to pay you. According to Terrence Howard, um, <laughs> this is, you know, where I'm getting this information from based on one of his interviews. Uh, they basically came back at him and said, you know, we think we're going to be successful without you. Uh, we're going to pay you an eighth of what we originally offered. And he was obviously not cool with that. And according to him, he called RDJ to say, hey, what, you know, what the hell, because they were going to end up paying RDJ the money that Terrence Howard was owed, quote unquote, you know, however you want to look at it. And apparently RDJ just ghosted him and Terrence Howard had a big issue with that because, uh, according, again, this is all according to him, uh, he was the guy who helped RDJ get this 
Huh. Well, let's let's so uh let's revisit that story. The whole when interesting we get to, thing there. Yeah, let's revisit that when we get to Iron Man two because you know that's a tease because Robert Downey Jr. has come out and spoken, I guess, against Marvel and how they handle this, especially in the later. But you know that's a tease because I that's an interesting story. But I won't look up anything about that until we get to Iron Man two and then we can revisit when we when I see uh, Don Cheadle uh, come back in. But, um, but yeah, so that concludes, I guess, the conversation. So, Jake, typically how this, how this works now is we're going to go into closing thoughts and star ratings of the movie. So we do, or at least, yeah, this show we do out of 10 stars. So I can go first. Um, so, you know, kicking off of uh, Jake and our, uh, and my, I guess, journey down the MCU, uh, I think, Jake, this was a really great idea to start with Iron Man because you know it's this is what started everything like we wouldn't be here debatably without Iron Man being so successful and the collaborative effort that was Iron Man and it just set this it just set the pace for what happened over the next uh, the next 12 years so I really did enjoy this movie like I said I think there's there's nuggets that John Favreau wants to get at. Like I, like I said, this idea of, you know, the warmonger turned hero, he starts to hear the error of his ways and he becomes like a gen, genuine of uh, a philanthropist. And so I, I am really amped because the next movie we'll be talking about is Captain America. And now I'm super amped to be, <laughs> to be, to, to, to come to this. I, Captain America has always been something that intrigued me. It seemed like, that would be my niche in the Marvel universe is cap. And so, you know, Chris, Evans. I hear all about Chris Evans. I've heard about, like, I've seen all the breakdowns of the CGI in the first movie. I I'm very excited to get into the movie. I love world war two. I love world war two heroes, uh, superheroes, um, kind of like the stuff, like it kind of reminds me of the rocketeer. So I'm really excited to get into the next movie. And I think it's because this film sets such a high standard for me to get ready and whether or not I, that enthusiasm continues in the movie I'll, you'll find out next episode well so, and i'm i'm excited for you just jumping off of that really quickly because you i'm not going to tell you what they were i'm just going to tease you with it you asked me some questions or you know rhetorical questions during this that you know <laughs> i was i was not going to say anything but in the back of my head i'm going oh you'll see mike you'll see <laughs> and I, and I, I really think you're going to appreciate captain america that much more just getting answers to some things that you had brought up here. There's, um, this is a side tangent. Um, my buddy, uh, it, it seems like you're going to be doing what, or not, maybe not exactly, but when I was watching Breaking Bad, my buddy, Andrew, when this was in high school, um, at the end of Breaking Bad, uh, Jake, you've seen Breaking Bad, right? I have not. Oh shit. So good. Cause I won't spoil it. Cause I wasn't going to say it on here. Let's just say, at the the series like the the last season of breaking bad it's been building up to this moment there's there's like one particular moment in the series finale that something is building up to and i went up to my buddy andrew i'm like what's up with this uh this 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 thing like this this object i won't say what it is but i'm like what's what's going on with this they keep alluding to it in the beginning of the episodes like what's going on he's like oh it's nothing it doesn't pay off i'm like oh really that's weird and my dumbass believed him (laughs) and then the series finale happens and there's a big payoff i'm like Oh my God. And I went to him, I dude, that was awesome. He's like, yeah, I didn't want to spoil anything for you. And I really like how you're having that same restraint to say, 
you'll get there, Mike. You'll, like, yeah, you'll see. Like Mike. not Don't even worry. saying like, oh, you'll get there. Do you not even directly? You're not even being direct with which questions or which observations I made, which I definitely appreciate. So my recommendation of Iron Man, highly recommend the movie. I'm going to give Iron Man. Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight and a half, eight point five out of ten. I think this is definitely like one of the more superior superhero movies, and and it's definitely is is I think it stands the test of time. The movie came out twelve years ago, so or was it twelve? Yeah, Quick math. Tw- yeah, twelve. Two thousand eight. Yeah, so I definitely recommend this movie. I think this is an excellent start to the journey. Really, definitely enjoyed this. So you're Good up, Jake. Enough. I'm glad. Um, one thing that I forgot to point out that I want to make sure I point out from here on out is uh, our Stan Lee cameo. Oh, yeah. Movie was, uh, yeah, he was Hugh Hefner at uh, Tony Stark's Firefighters Benefit, whatever it was, the party he had to go crash on his own. Um, <laughs> typically, when I watch movies, and this is kind of how I, I rank them, I, I, I look at it as how immersed I am in the movie and how... Um, you know, how much I forget where I am and what I'm doing. So yes, I watched this movie sitting next to my dad in, uh, in my parents' living room the other night. And, you know, I consider this a good movie because I forgot where I was. I forgot who I was with. I was just zoned in watching the movie. So, um, and I would also want to say that this movie is, you know, it's in my Marvel top 10. Um, top five, probably not. Close, yes. Uh, top 10, definitely. Um, that being said, I think I'm going to put it at, you know, surprisingly a little bit lower than you. I'm going like an eight two five, eight and a quarter. Okay. But right. definitely highly recommend. Yeah, definitely. And, I, and I'm ranking Iron Man so high because I'm assuming – some of these movies are going to be really low on the spectrum for me. Not not like a two or anything. Like I'm not going to think any of these movies are bad. But I'm expecting maybe at least a five or a few sixers in there. Maybe a four. We'll see. That's just a prediction. So I would be very surprised if you have a four. Um, <laughs> I, I'm actually now racking my – oh, well, okay. There's – I don't know about that though. I definitely don't have any fours. I can tell you that much. I am I, – I'm, it's, it's, I will hint. I'm predicting one of the more recent, like one of the the next few episodes, it might be a four or five. We'll see. I'm going to go into that particular movie with as high, not low or high, just neutral mind as possible. I'm not going to try and make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I'm just going to try and go into every single movie, not letting the future ones or the past ones, um, impact how i view the one i'm watching now but one more thing that i want to do before this is i want to do like kind of a predictions episode and we can revisit this at endgame when we're all done the journey uh, of this phase and that and that is i i kind of want to use some predictions like i pretty much know absolutely more or less nothing of what is to happen. I know, you know, I know some of the endings of the movies. I know the ending of Infinity War. I know you know, kind of the ending of Endgame, uh, but like, you know, Black Panther, sort of, like, I know, like, tidbits. I've seen, you know, Homecoming, Ant-Man. Uh, I know, you know, I won't be able to experience, like, that joy of seeing Spider-Man for the first time in Civil War, but, you know, I can kind of start piecing together. So, my predictions, um, from, I guess, the narrative perspective, I think that the first like the newer movies, not necessarily in the cinematic timeline, but like the movies that came out uh, in between from now 
to the first Avengers movie, I think I'm going to be not like from a narrative standpoint, be impressed with them a little bit more because it seems like they had, like, this is when they were building traction. This was when they probably just a prediction, just a conjecture that they probably had more freedom post Avengers. I'm predicting that the movies are going to become more cookie cutter and take less risks because this is when the corporations start to realize the like the money bags come into their eyes and they realize how much money making power the Avengers have and these Marvel movies have. And so not to say the quality is going to go down, but I definitely think I'm going to have that, that feel I'm going to feel something is, is missing or something has changed. And, you know, we'll see Uh, as, as opposed to narratives. I mean, I kind of know like where things go and where things go. Oh, I've seen guardians. Shit. That just, that just came into my head too. But, um, so, but, um, so I'm not really going to talk about like predictions of what happens to characters and things like that. Cause I kind of know, uh, but yeah, I think I'm going to focus more on like where I think the series or where like this saga goes as opposed to, because, you know, you know that, or at least from my like hindsight knowledge, like, removed from this world you know this is like marvel and and like i guess it was fox whoever was the distributor and the corporate like the corporate heads they were fine to they were almost making the production of these movies a science of a science of success and robert i know robert downey jr came out and started speaking against marvel and the creators of like the higher-ups of these like the executives and that there was no collaboration. There was, as in, like, between director and actor, there was, like, no oh, vision. We could get into that, too, because I've been reading a couple things about that more recently and, uh, well, you yeah, know, we'll, how we'll restrictive into that. it might be. Yeah and, we'll, is. yeah, and like I said, we'll get into that as it goes on. This is just a prediction right now, and, and, I'll, and I'll say when I think it happens. Like, when – not that it doesn't become original, but when I think – not to say the magic is gone, just when I feel like something has changed. I'll bring it up when we get there. So uh, that's kind of, I'm just hoping that I don't see like a descent. Like I hope I, like at Endgame, I'm I'm hoping that I'm not like jaded and like, fuck, I can't wait for this to be over. Um, (laughs) I sure as hell hope so too, or hope not. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, either way, we'll make it entertaining. So we'll revisit these uh, or this prediction uh, a little bit later on. So... Uh, I guess at end game or maybe like the midway point. But yeah, Jake, that, uh, that will, I guess we just finished up our, our first step, you know, one, one small step for, uh, for, uh, for, for Mike, but a giant uh, step for uh best friend hood or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to, I'm going to rephrase a little one small step for Jake, one giant leap for Mike, <laughs> for Mike kind and one big skip uh, for friendship. <laughs> Yeah, see, I'm not, see, I'm not an improv comedian. So, you know, thank you, Jake. This is why I bring you here. Um, One thing that I did want to throw at you really quickly was what I would like to do is over the course of this process as well as I want to not reevaluate, but evaluate my top 10 and kind of really lock it down. And I would like you to establish a top 10 as well, top 15, whatever, you know, we could figure that out when we get to it. But then just at the end of this whole process, you know, compare and see what we have in common, what we don't have in common, and kind of a little bit of a a reasoning for, oh, I put this in mind because of X, Y, and Z, and you did or didn't because of the same reasons, different reasons, whatever it may be. Yeah, I I like that idea. 
Yeah, I like that. I definitely like that idea. So, uh, yeah, no, Jake, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, now that we're in quarantine, um, you know, we got a lot of more, t- we got a lot of time. Who knows how much longer this is going to be, you know, going on. So I'm, I'm hoping that anyone that's listening to this can find some enjoyment. You know, I told Jake, oh, this is probably going to be like an hour. Uh, just looking real quick. <laughs> We've been talking for uh, an hour. Too like an hour and a half, like hour 40. So I'm hoping that everyone listen or anyone listening is finding enjoyment uh, and that you can, you know, just take a, take a break from reality and, you know, just, you know, laugh, like just enjoy two, two really great friends just talking about, you know, movie and one super passionate and I hope to be super passionate by the end or be super jaded, whichever one, it would be better. So as long as I, it makes for a good podcast, whatever it is. Yeah, and a good conversation. So yeah. uh, with that, guys, yeah, that concludes this episode of Amateur Tours. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, as always, you can follow us on uh, on Twitter at Pod. You can email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at theamateurontourspodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, if you could also leave a rating, review on whatever platform you listen to, preferably iTunes, but whichever one doesn't, doesn't matter be very much appreciated um yeah so with that you know we'll see you on the next episode i i gotta i think this will probably be dominating the feed for the next little while but you know probably throw a sporadic episode in there i i'm reaching out in the talks with some other podcasters to do an episode here or there so uh but yeah no thanks again guys and we'll see you next time